eight bags of potatoes around. What is your opinion on the gender-neutral bathroom situation? Um. Well, <laughs> don't panic. I don't see any reason to have separate bathroom. <laughs> Whatever doesn't discriminate. It's very interesting and kind of sad that our world is going through that right now. My opinion is we've got lots more things to worry about. Like I would have started, you know, maybe just having a communal sink. Don't make them feel bad <laughs> if it's a boy-girl bathroom. If you used to be, uh, you know, Jimmy, but now you're Jessica, or, you know, vice versa, so be it. Do you think there should be a bathroom designated for boys and girls both? Depends on the location. You sneaky snake. When you have to go, you have to go. And I mean, sometimes... It's tough, especially as you get older, older. Like, what can you possibly say, you know? And I would say we need to look at the broader picture. I think that people blow this out of proportion. Who are we to judge? Either I want the urinals in both bathrooms or in only one. Okay, so you think, like, all <laughs> bathrooms should be the same in everywhere? Yes, yeah, yeah. Older. Yeah. Wow. I'm telling you. Well, we're in week two of our new series called Conversations, and how interesting were those? Um, last week, we began this series with uh, our topic and your question, how do we know God's will? How do we know his direction and his path? And we talked about Gideon, and we uncovered some really amazing truths. God just revealed some things I had never seen before in Gideon in that story, and I brought those to you. Listen, if you missed that, you need to go back. Like they were saying earlier, get online, uh, newlifecanton.com, and, and click on sermons. And uh, be sure to watch that and, and, and catch up with us on that. This week, we're going to deal with some of your questions that could easily cause some controversial conversations. Controversial conversations. We're going to hit a, a couple of hot topics today. But let's start with the one that Cody was dealing with in downtown Woodstock there uh, when she was addressing the people on the street. The specific question that one of you asked, and I'll find out who that is, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, look on the board there. It says, what is the balance for Christians when it comes to current events and taking a stand for what we believe in speaking the truth in love? So taking a stand... For what we believe, but also speaking the truth in love. And specifically, they were tar talk talking about the Target boycott and the gender-neutral bathroom issue. And I'm going to throw in there also these government mandates and, and policies that have been about the school bathroom uh, situation. But before we go any further with my thoughts uh, or, or scripture, uh, is Russ and, and Cody in here? They forgot about this part. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dock their pay. That's what I'm gonna do. No, uh, can you, <laughs> Sean? Can you help me? He's gonna help me later on. Just grab a microphone here, and and and, yeah, he's on the spot. This is our elder, Sean. Woo! I'm just kidding about docking. I wouldn't do that. But now, what I want to do first. Is I, this is conversations, right? Is anybody brave enough to maybe give us in, in, in 30 seconds about maybe what you feel about this and maybe what you're doing? In other words, you know, are you boycotting? You know, and why? Or, or is, is anybody, would anybody be willing to give us some, some, 
Some thoughts on that. Anybody? Charles, you got 30 seconds. I'm telling you. I'm going to pull the mic. Hold on to the microphone, Sean. Yes, I am boycotting because I believe strongly that God created Adam and Eve. And supporting that would not be right, just, not just morally, but ethically. Okay. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, right here. I personally believe that everyone should be treated as an equal, and if that makes them happy, then it makes them happy, and everyone deserves happiness. Okay, so we have some differing views. We have uh, just everybody deserves happy, so we need to make sure we don't judge that, and then as far as ethically, he's taking a stand. He's boycotting uh, Target, so a couple things. Anybody else? Quickly, we can't take too much time with this, but this is a conversation right here. try to line everything I do up with the word of God, but it, as a practical issue, I have one, two, three, four, five, six grandchildren under the age of seven, and if you take a child to the store and they need to go, it's right then, and I am not going to expose my grandchildren to a gender-neutral bathroom. I'm just not going to. Okay, and we're going to talk a little bit about the practical side at the end of this section of that. Um, we're going to move on. Is there anybody else? Take one more if, if you want. Anybody? Caesar? I'm hearing music. What is that? Oh, okay. The way I see it is like uh, when this situation really happened, I, I, deep down in my heart, I say like to all of us in here, what would Jesus do? Amen. So if he was to be here right now and that person wants to actually share a bathroom with somebody, what do you think he's going to say? Go ahead. Something to think about and something we're going to talk about in this section. So uh, the Bible, (laughs) believe it or not, the Bible doesn't say anything about Target. I looked. I did a word search. It wasn't there. Um, but it does provide us some guidelines on how we should act as believers in tough situations, controversial situations. Now, a lot of Christians are demanding legislation. Some Christians are marching and protesting and have signs that are pretty ugly, that are written and in, in, in pretty bad. And, and, and you're you know, demanding legislation and all that. And, and at the surface, it almost sounds right to do that. But let me, let me offer something here in a problem with, with that approach. Look at the board. We can't impose a Christian worldview on a non-Christian society. We can't impose a Christian worldview on a non-Christian society. It's not going to happen. It's like cramming a square peg in a round hole. Understand something, folks. We no longer live in a Christian society. We live in a post-Christian society. Our nation was founded on Christian principles, mostly, not all, but mostly by men of God. It was framed in that way according to the Bible, but those things are not true anymore. 
And let me give you another little news flash. It's going to get worse before it gets better. It's going to get worse before it gets better. The words of Jesus himself in Matthew 24, 9 said, Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. He's talking about the end times. You will be hated all over the world because why? You are my followers. Can anybody, anybody look at the news and say, we're, we're there. We are there. Last week we talked about Lahore, Pakistan. And these people that, that say, hey, I'm a Christian, they're blowing them up. They're killing them. They're, they're targeting us here. It's not, it's not a random thing. They're targeting Christians. 1 Peter 4, 12-13 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in His suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it is revealed to all the world. People are dying. People are being tortured around the world right now for their faith. It kind of puts the whole gender neutral bathroom thing in perspective, doesn't it? So, are we to do nothing? Are we to become Christian pushovers? Are we to never stand up for the truth or fight for our families? Absolutely not. Paul tells us clearly to put on our spiritual armor. In Ephesians 6, 11, he says, Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to what? Stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Do you not think this is one of those strategies? Conversation? Absolutely. But here's the deal. Here is the crutch that we all need to remember. We need to know how to fight and we need to know who we are fighting. Listen to verse 12. He says, for we are not, everybody say not. We are not fighting against flesh and blood. We, we, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Here's the problem, folks. All too often in our zeal... To stand up for the truth, we go out all guns blazing, headbutting with our helmet of salvation and kicking tail with our gospel of peace, but we're fighting the wrong enemy. I call it, and this is mine, don't steal it, I'm going to write a book. I call it throwing Christian grenades. We blow people to pieces with the truth that they don't even believe and end up doing more harm than good. All we end up doing is alienating people who need Jesus from ever wanting to ever darken the door of a church. Y'all were quiet on that one. Is, are you contemplating? Are you thinking? Listen. You don't throw grenades first. You don't slap people over the head with the Bible they don't even believe. 
that does no good whatsoever. You have to earn the right to speak into somebody's life by building a relationship with them, by offering grace first, by offering love first, by offering your time first, and then you get to talk about the Word of God and tell them the truth of the gospel, and then they will listen. That was really, really powerful and good. I'm getting one amen out of that. If you believe that, honestly, let's give God praise. Because that's the kind of Christians we need to be. Guess what? If we're that way, it answers your question. It answers your belief and yours and yours. Our enemy, everybody focus in, our enemy is not transgender people. Our enemy is not target. Our enemy is not even the government who are imposing these ridiculous school bathroom issues and and policies. And they are ridiculous. I'm not arguing that. My Lord. Our enemy is Satan. Our enemy is not physical. It is spiritual. And our enemy is a master at dividing the church. He's been doing it for 2,000 years. And I'm here to tell you it's not going to happen here. We're going to be united together. One mind, one accord. Where God can use us to make a difference in our community. Now I'm not saying that when corruption runs rampant as it is that we stay silent. I'm not saying that we twiddle our thumbs in the face of persecution. We don't. We stand firm. And we put on the armor, but we remember who we are fighting. And it's not people. Our contempt should be for sin, not the sinner. Not the transgender person. Not the gay person. Not the alcoholic. Not the drug addict. Paul said, hey, once you were just like that. Not the CEO of Target. They need Christ too. Look at the board. I want you to put it on social media. If we lose our head, we lose our witness. (laughs) How about that? If we lose our head, if we go off half cocked, we lose our witness. We start throwing Christian grenades at people. We blow them up and they never come back. They never come back. As you go to battle, and you should, take care to run your actions and your words through the filter of the Holy Spirit. Caesar said, what would Jesus say? You remember the bracelet? What would Jesus do? It was very popular because it's powerful. And it's true. Galatians, Paul tells us what that is, that filter in Galatians 5.22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what? Oh, come on. There is no law against these things. So here, let me quickly give you these. Here are some important questions to ask yourself as you take a stand. Because we need to. Number one, do you approach others with patience and kindness even as you speak the truth? Do you do it with patience 
and kindness for the person. Listen, Andy Stanley has one of the best quotes known to man, and I use it all the time. Do you want to make a point or do you want to make a difference? If you march around, gays are going to hell, transgenders are, are, are an abomination to God, we blah, 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 God hates gay, you know, all this crap. Sorry. I'm very sorry. <laughs> My mom, if she was here, she'd get me. Don't watch this one, Mom. We're going to put the other. We're going to put eleven o'clock service on the, online. All this junk. All we're doing, yeah, we're making a point, but we're destroying people, and we're not going to make a difference that way. Number two, are you exercising self-control or flying off the handle with misguided passion? Unfortunately, most people who are like that don't know that they're like that or don't care. So if you know somebody like that, get them by the face because they they, they're like this. And you have to just get right in front of them and kind of get them by the face and say, Stop it! You're making us all look bad. Stop it! They always find those folks for the news. They usually have about three teeth. And they are, they are just wearing it out. And that's who the news people go to every single Golly. And guess what? That's, that's who we are automatically. Number three, if your words ridicule or wound, then they should be revised. I don't care who it is. If your words ridicule or wounded. I don't care what situation. Young people, students, if you're a believer, you don't need to be talking to people that in a wounding way. You don't need to be bullying people. Nobody needs to be bullying anybody. But especially in this situation, if your words are wounding, they need to be revised. So, what are the practical sides of this? And what's the practical issue of keeping our children safe? Remember this, remember this, only God can truly protect our children. Only God. I mentioned this in the prayer for the offering. My oldest daughter had a car accident yesterday. Only God. Here's the reality. We cannot guarantee that our children have a safe, Childhood. How many here had a safe childhood? There were broken bones. There were, there were you know, accidents. There were abrasions. Sometimes there were abuses. But here you are. Here you are. Here you are in the name of Jesus. Here you are. We do the best we can. You better be. They are gifts from God. And we better do the best that we possibly can. But only God can keep our children safe. So look at the board. So we dedicate our kids to Christ. And we choose not to live in fear, but by faith. We choose, it's a choice. 
You can choose to stay up all night and worry. Or we can choose to live by faith and not by fear. And let me just... Let me tell you, this book, I've studied it for a long time, and I can't find in here where God's top priority is our safety. Read the New Testament and see what those Christians went through. God's top priority is not our safety, it's our relationship with Him and our eternal place with Him. I got one quiet amen. That's tough, isn't it? Especially as parents. Especially as Americans. God's top priority is not our happiness. Golly, I didn't even have that in the notes. I'm sorry. This is tough. But eternity is forever. And it's more important to God than anything else. So important that he loved us so much he sent his only begotten son. And was he safe while he was down here? Amen. Folks, we dedicate our children. We, we do the, the due diligence. We, we, when the bathroom thing, we make sure they're safe. We do everything we can. But only God, truly. We have to put them in his hands, live by faith and not fear. If somebody will do that, will set you free. That'll set you free. Let's move on to our next controversial conversation. Here's your question. What does the Bible, not pastor, what does the Bible say about social drinking? I'm going to find out who's asked that one too. Let me just deal with, no, 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 no. Not just deal with the elephant in the room. Let me just shoot it dead. Let me just shoot it dead right now. I know that in our culture, in the, in, even in the South, this is becoming more and more accepted, in, even in, Christ, in the Christian culture in the South. I also know that many of you are doing that, okay? So let me just deal with that and get that out of the way. Don't be like, oh, Lord, it's okay. It's all right. You put it on Facebook, I see it, it's fine, Okay. Don't be like, not me, Brother Allen. <laughs> Scroll for two seconds. Listen. <laughs> Let's just get rid of the elephant, okay? Let's just move him out. Shoot him dead. But here's the deal. Look on the board. This issue is not about heaven or hell. It's not about sin. It's not about condemning you, if that's your choice, to, to participate in consuming alcohol in a social setting, okay? From my studies of Scripture, the act of consuming alcohol is not sinful in and of itself. It's very important I put that at the end. In and of itself. In the Old Testament, wine is often referred to as a blessing, even used as an offering. And many of the big-name characters throughout the Bible did drink wine 
Genesis 27, 25 says, Then Isaac said, Now, my son, bring me the wild game. Let me eat it, and then I will give you my blessing. So Jacob took the food to his father, and Isaac ate it. He also drank the wine that Jacob gave him. This is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It doesn't get any bigger than the big three. In the New Testament, Jesus turned water into wine as a blessing. I think it was following that thought pattern of the wine being a blessing. He turned water into wine as a blessing. And we talked a few weeks ago about how expensive that was. It was the best wine. It was worth about $30,000 because it was a ton of it. The disciples drank wine. We don't read where it was a, a problem. Paul recommends to Timothy to drink wine for medicinal purposes. In, in 1 Timothy 5.23, he says, Don't drink only water. You ought to drink a little, little, little wine. I'm still a pastor. Come on. For the sake of your stomach, because you are sick so often. I don't know what happened. There may have been something wrong with the water where Timothy was. And he's like, chill out with the water. You need to drink something else for your stomach. Now, I've heard the argument that the wine that they drank was not fermented. But that doesn't hold up. Now, it definitely was more diluted. There's no question about that, that it did not have the same alcohol content as what we have today. But it was still, there was still an intoxicating potential. How do we know that? Because there are plenty of warnings throughout Scripture about drunkenness, and it uses the same word, and hello, you can't get drunk on Welch's. Come on. So while the act of drinking, now listen, is not in itself condemned. What is very clear in Scripture is that it is a sin to get drunk. It is a sin to allow it to take over and control you. And someone who lives a life of alcoholism and a life of drunkenness and stays in that condition, the Bible says, will not see heaven. Galatians 5.19 says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Listen, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, and drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Now, in my opinion, a lot of that other stuff at the beginning takes place after you go to those parties and after you end up living a drunk life, okay? Some of those things just follow. Let me tell you again. He said it before. He says it again. And anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Romans 13, 13 says, because we belong to the day. Paul is saying, listen, because we are Christians, hello, we must live decent lives for all to see. How we behave socially matters. How we conduct ourselves socially matters in the topic we were just talking about and with this. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Folks, there are certain places we should not go and certain things we should not be doing. That was a good place for you to clap and make me feel better 
about this whole thing. As believers, there are certain things we should not be doing in certain places. We should not be going. So, Pastor, if the Bible doesn't condemn drinking in moderation, I'm good to go, right? Maybe so. Maybe so. But if you're a believer, Paul tells us in Philippians, you have to work this thing out with fear and trembling. It's got to be serious. It's a big deal. You have to be careful. So there's one more thing. Now, if you're, if you're, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, a believer, you get to just tune me out. You get a pass. But if you're a follower of Christ, there's, there's one more thing to consider in this. I found a video by pastor and author John Piper. Some of you may have heard of him. Uh, you know, I don't agree on every single jot and tittle of his doctrine and those things, but he has something, he really articulates something in this video very, very well that I want us to consider. Are we, are we running the video? Are we going to be able to do that? I know we were having video problems. What do you say to people who say drinking is okay because Jesus drank wine? Um, you say, I think you need to add just a word or two to that sentence. Like, drinking can be okay. Okay? <laughs> um, the, the statement, it's okay, may or may not carry in their mind a pattern of life that's healthy. Um, I would say some drinking is definitely not okay. Like, drinking to drunkenness is not okay. That's clear in the Bible. Uh, another one that's not okay is uh, drinking with a person who is manifestly having their conscience wounded and being tempted to draw into something that they just spent uh, six years trying through Teen Challenge and AA to get free from. And now you're drawing them right into what killed them. And it kills millions of people in this culture. It's killing marriages. It's killing jobs. Alcohol is deadly in this culture. Now, I don't, I don't know uh, what or how deadly it was in Jesus' culture. I, drunkenness was real. Clearly, the Bible condemns it. How real and deadly it was, I don't know. I just know what I'm dealing with when I go to talk at Teen Challenge or when I pray with a man like I did, maybe Joshua's watching after church last Sunday, I said, when I'm done here, I'm going out and get drunk because I'm done. I think I'm apostate and I'm beyond help and forgiveness and I've been through treatment so many times it's hopeless and I just know that is so prevalent. People that are cavalier about this thing called alcohol make no sense to me. So, I'm just saying uh, add a word to that sense. <laughs> of, of, of course you can't defend in any absolute way teetotalism from the Bible. It's clear that uh, wine is a blessing in the Bible. If you make the choice, like me, that I'm going to be a teetotaler, it's, it's, it's just not based on the condemnation of the evil of wine, demon rum, blah, blah, blah. That's just not it at all. It's, it's a context in which I live. It's my children and my grandchildren. It's, it's my addictive personality. I, don't even, I can't even buy a pack of gum without going through it in an hour. <laughs> so just don't, 
I, I sense a lot of young guys who uh, don't want to be legalistic and want to spread their wings and no gospel freedom are just not very realistic about the world in which we live. So that's a little warning and uh, a very caution. And, and I know the pushback would be, would be real strong from a lot of people I admire greatly that I could easily fall into a trap of, of ruling out for everybody what God has given as a precious gift. And so there you have it. Not good. Um, you're busy this morning. Thank you for helping me out earlier. This, Russ, you're terminated. That's right. <laughs> he said, Russ, you're terminated. This is Sean Woodall, if you don't know. He's one of our elders. Can we appreciate him? Um, Sean, you and I were talking the other day about this, and kind of was kind of like, I'm a little nervous about this message because I know the situation. And... Uh, I asked you your thoughts and, and things, and you shared with something pretty powerful about your why you believe the way you do. Just share that briefly with sure. us. Well, first of all, I've, this is a subject that uh, throughout my lifetime, it's, it's evolved to get me to this place. I mean, uh, before I got saved, uh, my life was living for the weekends, living to drink, living to party and have a good time. And then when I got saved, it went from that to no alcohol at all whatsoever, didn't want to be around it. It, it was a, a strict, um, you know, I wanted nothing to do with it in my life, and I thought I had to walk perfect. And the next um, season of my life, it was social drinking. I believe social drinking is okay, and, and walking into that and... and uh, you know, to reiterate what he said earlier, I, I don't believe that drinking uh, a glass of wine at dinner is a heaven or hell issue. I just don't. Um, what I did see uh, opening the door to that in my life is I, I was sitting in a business meeting uh, with several gentlemen, and everybody had a glass of wine or, you know, some type of drink. It was a innocent meeting and nobody's getting drunk no one's getting out of hand and uh this young father he was he was in his mid-30s uh, roughly 40 years old um someone we had just recently hired and didn't know a lot about his background other than uh, his work history very successful man making several several hundred thousand dollars a year great at what he does um Long story short, he sat at this business meeting, uh, drank a glass of wine, too, and over a six-month period of time working for us, um, had lost his family because he fell back into an alcohol issue that we did not know he had. So at, the, at a point in my life as a Christian man with children, I sat there, and it taunted me a little bit. It taunted me that I sat there and endorsed something in this man's life that potentially, you know, I asked myself over and over, what if I would have not drank? Would that have given him the opportunity not to do that? We found him six months later. He was, he was supposed to be at a meeting, um, OD'd on painkillers, and had uh, drank him. The cleaning crew found him in a hotel on a business meeting. And that changed my view on alcohol. 
not because I believe it's a heaven or hell issue for someone who has self-control in their life or who does not have an addiction issue. Let's face it, we all, if we open certain doors in our life, potentially could have some type. It may not be alcohol. It may not be certain areas like that, but we all have an area in our life, if we open that door, it potentially could turn into an addiction. And evaluating through that process, I have four children, which is one of the most precious things in my life. And Denise and I started asking ourselves, is the reward of social drinking worth the risk of endorsing something in their life that they may or may not have control over? I have no clue what their cross is to bear in life. I have no clue what they're going to struggle with in life. But I certainly do have a responsibility as a father and as a Christian man for the people around me that what I open the door to and what I endorse may potentially be the very thing that they stumble in in life. So that's my story. Amen. Thank you so much. It's just not an easy thing. But the Bible, listen, the Bible does give us some direction and some things to consider. And as I close, I'm going to give you these scriptures. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Paul says, and he's saying through this, we shouldn't concentrate on what we can get away with and still go to heaven. Let me say it again. We shouldn't concentrate on how close to the line of the world we can stand without falling. But our aim, our goal instead should be unity in the church and building each other up. Verse 20, he says, don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat or drink. Remember, all foods or drinks I put there are acceptable. Again, what he said, what John said, this is not about heaven or hell. It's not about sin. He says, but it is wrong to eat or drink something if it makes another person stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else. This is not just about alcohol. That might, might cause another believer to stumble. I do believe there's a difference between something at home, a private meal together where you know that's not going to affect anybody. I think there is a difference between that and a social setting that you have to work that out. You have to struggle and wrestle with that. This is not about condemnation. Is everybody okay? Nobody going to run out and leave the church? Okay, I just... I want you to know what the Word says. The Word does not condemn you for drinking a glass of wine, but it does challenge you to prefer your neighbor. 
to think about what you're doing. In Matthew 22, there's a last scripture I'm going to give you. This is Jesus. People are asking him, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And in my mind, I'm envisioning this, that that they're like, okay, and they're starting to walk away. And he goes, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm not done yet. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the entire law. On those two commandments, love God and love people, prefer your neighbor as you hang 613 laws. The big idea, love God and love people. Love God, love people. You thought it was going to be something about alcohol. You thought it was going to be something about gender neutral. No, that stands for both of these hard issues. If you love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and then you love your neighbor as yourself, you'll be just fine. Somebody praise God if you believe it.